0: It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 24 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. So if you follow me on social media or if you are a part of the Therapy for Black Girls Thrive Tribe on Facebook, then you know that I'm a huge fan of the HBO show Insecure. Um, you may have heard my recaps with the Extraordinary Negroes podcast. Shout out to them. Um, so I'm just a huge fan of HBO Insecure. I think that it highlights a lot of issues that 20 and 30 something um, black people deal with um, and a lot of the things that I typically see in therapy sessions when I'm working with clients so I just think it's a very cool show Um, I I enjoy some of the concepts and really what I love most is that it sparks such conversation Um, and so I think important conversations that we need to be having so I'm a huge fan. So you know that I had to give you an episode of my thoughts about the finale um, and it definitely was quite the show. So we got a 45 minute episode this week to end off season two. And first, I just think that the entire show is shot beautifully but it felt like in particular this season finale was just shot incredibly beautiful. Um, Everybody always looks gorgeous and you may have seen on social media um, a video going around that talks to um, the photography director about the different um, techniques and strategies she uses to shoot black people so that's been pretty cool. Um, I also really enjoyed the way they frame the episode in terms of 30 days with each of the three main characters. So we start off with 30 days with Lawrence, then 30 days with Molly, and then 30 days with Issa. And I think it really highlighted like how connected our lives are, even when we don't know it, and really highlighted um, how scenes can look really differently depending on your vantage point. So the episode was called Hella Perspectives because depending on who you were in this narrative the scene played out very differently so I thought it was very cool that they had um started out with a marathon that and you didn't even know that they all were in attendance and they obviously didn't even know that they would be all in attendance but then you see them kind of making eye contact subtly um, or not not eye contact but they would see each other without the other person seeing them so I thought that that was really cool a really playful way to kind of start off this finale so I've watched the episode twice now because it felt like it was that good and I felt like I needed to um, really kind of pay more close attention to some of the things that were going on and really wanted to kind of highlight um, four different things that I have been mulling over that feel like some key lessons that we can take from this episode to really kind of apply or at least discuss in our own lives. So the very first one was Molly goes back to therapy. Yay. So you know that I have been itching to see Molly back in the therapist's office. Um, if you listen to our earlier podcast episode with Esther Boykin, you know, we did a mock therapy session with what it might look like if Molly did actually go to therapy. So I'm very excited that she actually did go back to therapy. Um, we see in one of the early scenes that she is back in Dr. Pine's office and it looks as if that it looks as if this has hurt. Um, her first session since we last saw her. Um, you know, she made the comment that she felt like Dr. Pine was getting all in her business and kind of projecting things onto her, which I don't think was accurate, but completely valid for her to feel that way. Um, so it feels like they picked right, picked up right where they left off in terms of discussing how Molly was shooting all over herself. So that's a playful little term we kind of throw around um, when clients come in talking about all of the things that should be happening in their lives as, to, as opposed to what actually is happening in their lives. And my friend and colleague, Annie Wright, who is a psychotherapist in Berkeley, California, um, wrote an excellent article that I will link to, of course, in the show notes. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash session 24 um, about two steps we can take to stop shooting on ourselves. So make sure you check that out. So the therapist and Molly are exploring her feelings about Quentin um, not being the type of guy that she should be with. He's not typically who she is attracted to. And the therapist challenges her to kind of consider getting out of the should and consider living in the could, which was a cute little therapist catchphrase. Um and I didn't realize it the first time I watched it, but when I re it, I realized that the very next scene that we see is the scene where Molly and Quentin end up sleeping together. So I feel like she took the therapist's words pretty literally, and I think the therapist really was just kind of inviting her to consider maybe giving Quentin a chance to kind of see um, if she continues spending time with him, what might develop. So she really took that literally and then the very next scene, we see her actually sleeping with him. So again, I think she was very literal in taking the therapist's advice when I think the therapist really was just inviting her to consider what her her life might look like if she stopped um, placing all of these perhaps unrealistic expectations on herself um, and if she just kind of allowed things to um, unfold naturally. And I think even if it is not related to us dating different people, I think that a lot of us have um, ideas about what our life should look like, so to speak. Um, so society's expectations of what a black woman's life should look like, our parents' ideas about what our lives should look like. And I think a lot of times we don't actually, um, sit with ourselves to discover what we actually want. You know, so we kind of have this either invisible or visible, sometimes we have actually written it out, um, plan for our lives, and don't really kind of check in to see where did this plan come from? Is this something that feels true to my core or is this something that I have developed because it is what should be happening for my life so I think we can learn that lesson from this scene and this interaction with Molly and Quentin and the therapist in that um, to challenge ourselves about what are the shoulds we have in our lives The second issue I'd like to highlight related to the season finale was related to Black girl friendships. So shout out to all of the sisters who have wrote like incredibly amazing articles talking about the way that Insecure really highlights Black girl friendships. Um, I definitely will link a couple of those in the show notes because I think that they really um, give you more information about why it feels like this show in particular is so important in the way that it highlights friendships. So I love that since they had that huge fallout last season when they were calling each other out at that um, fundraiser for We Got Y'all, it looks like they have now chosen Malibu as their code word for when they want to be honest with one another without hurting the other person's feelings. So it's kind of like they will say Malibu and then say what they're really thinking. Um, And I think that that fight that they had last season happened in large part because they had been sitting on hurt feelings and observations about one another that had not been shared. So they have this fight and then they just kind of unleash all of these thoughts and feelings that they have been holding to themselves. And it feels like they aren't holding on to these thoughts and resentments anymore and instead are using Malibu to mark when um, they have something to say in the moment that they seriously want the other person to consider. And I think that this is actually a great strategy. And those people, those therapists and clinicians who do couples work um, probably use interventions that are similar like to this. So the whole point is that... Um, You want to say things in the moment when your feelings have been hurt by a friend or a partner. You don't want to let months and months go by where people are offending you or crossing boundaries with you and you don't say anything. So saying things in the moment Is much more effective than having a silly fight about something completely unrelated and then unleashing months worth of wrath and wrongdoings that you have been collecting related to your friend or your partner. In the field, we call this kitchen sinking. So it's like when you have this fight, you just throw everything into the kitchen sink, which is not at all effective because then you lose focus of what was the the main issue, like what was really going on today that you wanted to discuss. So it's not fair. It typically is not effective for you to just kind of throw all of these different things at your partner when you're upset, it's much more effective to actually stay focused on what the infraction is that day. So, having a little catchphrase like Malibu now, that probably won't be your word, but you can come up with something that works for you and your friend or your partner. Um, having a little catchphrase allows you to kind of slow down the conversation, to stop in the moment, and really be very intentional and immediate in addressing your feelings. So I thought that they did a very nice job of highlighting, especially in this episode, um, Black Girl Friendships, um, which was also really nice that we saw kind of towards the end. um, It looks like they... Or Issa probably has discovered that she will not be able to afford this Morocco trip that they had been planning. So then Molly um, kind of decorates her apartment in this elaborate Morocco theme and has, you know, food brought in and decorations and things like that to kind of have a little piece of Morocco in the home. Um, So I thought that that was a nice kind of fitting way to kind of see us um, sending them off for their friendship in this season finale. So the third issue that I wanted to address related to the season finale that I think we can apply to our lives or at least think more about is the lives we tell ourselves about closure. So the scene that you saw with Issa and Lawrence in the kitchen, this is what everybody dreams about when they say they want to have closure after a breakup. And these, this is the thing that Hollywood does really well, but the rest of us not so much. So typically, real life closure conversations, if they happen, don't look as eloquent and um, put together and balanced as this one did. So typically when we are saying that we want closure, it's just another excuse to see our ex who we're really not over, and it usually ends with everybody naked. So when we say we want closure, we're typically looking for this other person, our ex, to give us permission to move on. And in the case of Issa and Lawrence, it did look like they both felt better after the conversation and were able to move on to the next stage of the relationship being over. So at the very end, you see um, she gets a friend request from Lawrence again. You know, so it feels like they had this conversation. They both were able to kind of share how they um, felt like they were wrong and different things, and then it feels like they were able to move on. But I wonder what happens if the convo... Hadn't happened. And what if the combo doesn't happen in your life? Um, And I saw a lot of people comment about feeling triggered by this particular scene just because either you have had a similar conversation or you wish you had a conversation like this to kind of get some closure on a relationship. And so how can you get closure if you don't have an incredible writer like Issa Rae scripting out a scene like this for you? So you can create what I typically call your own closure ritual. Um, So the first step in this would be to write a letter addressing all the things you wish you could say to your ex. So in this scene, we saw them both accept responsibility for how they thought they could have been better in the relationship. What about um, you want to talk about what about the ending of your relationship can you accept responsibility for? So we saw them do a pretty good job of accepting responsibility for the different ways they may not have held up their end of the bargain in the relationship. So you want to think about in your own relationship, what in what ways did you not show up or do what you maybe needed to do to keep the relationship moving? You also want to discuss how you felt wronged in the relationship and anything else you would want to say to your ex if you could have this conversation with him. The trick with this letter is to stay focused on what you would like to say. I don't want you to get caught up in what the other person might say, etc. This is an opportunity for you to get your thoughts and feelings out. So stay focused on you. Don't get too caught up in, well, if they say this, then I'm going to say this. Stay strictly focused on what you would like to get out and what you want to get off your chest. The second step in the closure ritual would be if you have a therapist you're working with, and if not, this might be a great time to look into getting one. um, You process the letter and what comes up for you with your therapist. So really maybe even sharing the letter with your therapist um, or reading portions of it out loud could be really helpful so that you can begin to get some closure around in what ways you were responsible maybe for the end of the relationship and w- and in what ways you were not responsible so I think a lot of times after a breakup because we don't typically have access to the ex in these kinds of kinds of conversations we try to take on a lot of blame for the ending of the relationship on ourselves when that's not really accurate so I think having written out all of your thoughts and getting everything off your chest in this letter and then having an opportunity to talk with, it, talk with your therapist about it can really help you see what was your stuff and what was not your stuff. So you take responsibility for that which was yours and you leave everything else in the therapist's office. So I think it can be a very powerful experience. The third step after you have processed with your therapist, and this may be more than one session, um, there's no not necessarily a time limit on how long this might take. But, you know, it probably will be at least a couple of sessions um, because you typically only have 45 to 50 minutes. So it may take some time to kind of get through the letter, depending on what you write. So don't think it will be a one session kind of thing. So the third step. When you're ready and when you have kind of processed all you can with a therapist um, is to either shred or burn the letter. So this can help signify that you really are ready to move past this stage of the breakup. So this doesn't necessarily mean that you won't still think about your ex or feel sad from time to time, but it does mean that you are ready to kind of reclaim the power it's having over you. So again, don't think that burning or shredding this letter is going to say like, okay, this person is magically disappeared from my life. As great as that might be, that won't be the case. Um, but it does kind of signify, I think, to you and the universe that you really are ready to kind of move forward from this stage. So you've kind of gotten all your thoughts out on paper, you've processed it with a um, objective third party, and now you're ready to kind of release it. So I think it can be a very powerful ritual. So if you have tried something like this, or if you're thinking about um, doing something like this, I definitely would love to hear how this goes or um, you know what your experiences of something like this are. Or if you have a different kind of um, breakup closure ritual that you have developed for yourself or your friends have done, then I'd love to hear that too. You can definitely share that with us either in the Facebook group. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com/backslash tribe. Or you can use the hashtag TBG in session on Twitter or Instagram and let me know what your closure rituals look like. And then the final scene that I had to absolutely talk about um, was the flash forward scene. So I think that this scene had all of us pretty deep in our feelings, um, myself included, because it was um, a classic Issa dream sequence. So you see her imagining what it would look like for Lawrence to propose and then for them to get married and get pregnant and come home with their new baby. So all of this kind of flashes right before her eyes. And I think that it was um, pretty poignant to me and stood out to me, especially because it feels like it was very relevant to what I discussed in session 16 of the podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, then you definitely want to check that one out after this one. I'll link it in the show notes so it's easy for you to find. Um, Because when I talked about still holding on to your ex because of what they represented, this is what I meant. So we saw like this 10 second depiction of what this looks like. So sometimes we will Hold on to a relationship, not necessarily because it's good for us or because it's what we truly want, but it's what will check off these boxes and things we think our life should look like. So we get caught up in envisioning what the future looks like. We sometimes miss thinking about whether this person is actually a good partner for us. And I think it was particularly relevant because it really highlighted many of the reasons why we have trouble letting go of our ex after the relationship is over. Now, personally, I still don't really think that Issa and Lawrence make a great couple, at least based on what we've seen. Um, But they do have a lot of history, they really love one another as you heard them share, and they're comfortable with one another. And I think that's what often keeps us stuck in relationships. So it's a major part of why I think Issa cheated in the first place because the relationship really wasn't advancing, but it had been a long time. They were comfortable with one another and she didn't really feel like she needed to end it. Right. So I think it's arguable about how good of a guy Lawrence is. I've seen debates on that back and forth, um, but I don't think there is any denying that they had a lot of history and were very comfortable with one another. Like in each of the scenes where we've seen them together, besides that fight they had last week um, We've seen them kind of continue to playfully banter with one another about like the Frank Ocean pillow and what happened to her wall um, when he was there waiting for the couch. So it's it's clear that they still have a connection with one another. Um, And so it feels like nothing was necessarily really wrong. And I think that's why she didn't end the relationship. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us have found ourselves in situations like this where nothing's really wrong, but nothing's really right either. So I do think that this scene in particular can kind of challenge us to um, think differently about how we're showing up in relationships or to kind of reflect on what has happened in the past. So minus the cheating I think that breakups like Issa and Lawrence that happen even though you both still love one another are sometimes the hardest to get over. And I think it's a good reminder that sometimes we simply need to love other people from a distance. Because it takes more than just love to have a fulfilling relationship and for a relationship to really continue to work. So, Those were my thoughts. Those were kind of like the highlights that stood out to me and the scenes and interactions that I thought were most applicable to um, our own lives and things that kind of give us fodder for discussion and reflection. But I would love to hear any thoughts that you have, any scenes that... Felt particularly poignant to you that you want to discuss more. Um, we've already had a pretty lively discussion in the Facebook group, so if you want to jump into the Facebook group to share your thoughts, I would invite you to do that. Again, you can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash tribe. That's T R I B E. So we can continue having that conversation. But if you don't and you want to just share your thoughts on social media, you can find us at on Twitter at therapy for the number four. B girls, and you can find us on instagram and facebook at therapy for black girls um and make sure that you use the hashtag tbg in session i'm definitely really interested in hearing um your reflections about the episode because like i said i think that it was a, a really strong episode and i think it still left us with a lot of questions but i do think that they tied some things together nicely So you will notice that I didn't talk very much about um, the whole situation with Molly and Drew, and the situation where we see Issa um, knocking on Daniel's door at the end, Um, because I feel like that could go like a lot of different ways. But definitely we can have some of those conversations on social media or in the Facebook group if you're interested. So please remember that if you are looking for a therapist in your neck of the woods, then you can um, look in our therapist directory. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash directory. And if you are a therapist and you would like to share your information with the hundreds of black women who are looking for a quality therapist in their area, please make sure to check out therapyforblackgirls.com backslash being listed. Again, all of this information will be included in the show notes. So I'm absolutely looking forward to hearing your thoughts and looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.